My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 98, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, John 16 through 18 and Proverbs 6, first, 12 through 15. John 16, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? Why don't under, we don't understand what he is saying? Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while, you will see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world.' 
Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I prayed for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer." But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None that has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and that the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth." Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and I have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know me, sorry, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you know to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them.
When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they, told, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. "'You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you?' she asked Peter. He replied, "'I am not.' It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. "'I have spoken openly to the world,' Jesus replied." I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, so they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. 
Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But if it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Proverbs 6, verse 12. A troublemaker and a villain, who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart, he always stirs up conflict. Therefore, disaster will overtake him. In an instant, he will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. In our last reading, we read about people waving palm branches, saying Hosanna or Hoshana, bring us victory. Something I want to point out, which I know I didn't realize until I learned it from Marty Solomon and Brett Billings on the Bama podcast, is that palm branches or palm fronds in that period by these people represented rebellious or revolutionary victory of an independent or free Israel for shalom in Yahweh. That nugget was so cool to me and I hadn't shared it yet, so I wanted to hear Okay, so we now realize Jesus is being hailed as king or the Messiah, and this is going to be a problem as we're reading for the Jewish leaders. The way Jesus was coming on a donkey pointed back to or points back to the Old Testament, specifically Zechariah 9 verse 9. Your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, the king which is also interpreted as Messiah. There's more in Zechariah, a prophet's description of Jesus, and we'll dig more into that when we go back and get to Zechariah. But I can't help but point out um, yet another connection between the Old Testament, prophesying, foreshadowing, not only Jesus, but exactly what, what he will do. Okay, so let's back up a little for just a second. Marty Solomon points out how John is able to speak to and subvert both the Grecan and the Jewish worldview here in John. The Greek world highly valued logos or rationality, thinking, which is interesting because I still think we highly value this in the Western philosophical world, which was born out of this Grecan ancient Near Eastern worldview, right? Extending into Greece, Rome, Europe, extending into the United States, right? So this is so interesting because like the conclusion of Job, where God is wisdom itself, and we may not always or completely be able to rationalize it. Here we read that Jesus reveals rationality and rationality is God himself. I mean, it started in the very beginning of John where God is the word and the word is with God and it is God, right? So we have also been reading that sons of darkness do not and cannot understand logos or rationality because they have created their own and have assigned it as godhood or goodhood. It's the tree of knowledge though, not the tree of life. In logos, God's rationality is where everything is held together. Without it, it all falls apart. Marty describes it, or logos, as the stuff that connects all things, 
Logos is the principle of divine reason and created order. Keep in mind, there is rationality and wisdom outside of Jesus and God himself. Remember, the tree of knowledge is an option he gave. He allowed us to pull away, to self-exile ourselves from a relationship and the special place and purpose he made for us because he wants it to be our choice. Keep in mind, this choice has a cost, like all choices do. We either submit to God's wisdom and rationality, to the way to live, or we, we create our own. And the cost is life itself. And by life, I mean the everlasting kind, where we stay in God's redeeming world, fulfilling the purpose he designed us to be a part of in a special place with a special relationship, to take blessing and be a blessing. And then here in chapter 18, which we read today, Marty Solomon points to John's emphasis on light and his priestly connection, which we read out in the verse where John was known to the high priest. He entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. John put in a good word for Peter, it seems, and the servant girl guarding the door let Peter into the courtyard. That was in John chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. There's this important theme of sons of light and sons of darkness in the whole gospel of John. And John perhaps is also related to or connected to the priesthood within the family if he's allowed into this space, which is really interesting. Also in chapter 18, when they come for Jesus and ask, which one is he? Jesus answers... I am. I am he. This is so cool. John, who wrote this book, referenced at least seven I am statements, which we've discussed before. And the last time I shared Dr. Jeff Caven's list from the Catholic perspective, and here I'll share Dr. Mackey's descriptive list of I am statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And Jesus also said seven times, just I am. And John 4, 26, 6, 20, 8, 24, 8, 28, 8, 58, 13, 9. And here in chapter 18, verse 5, where Jesus says, I am the one you are looking for. Also, if we remember this I am in Greek points back to the Hebrew covenantal name for God as the I am, as we read in Exodus 3 verse 14, and it will also be in Isaiah 43, 10 and 46, 9, which we'll get to. So there's this really big important connection to the I am and what that means as well in terms of his character and divinity. I like to remind myself that Jesus wasn't caught. He has been saying, my time is not yet here. My time is coming and my time is now. Jesus is revealing his divine power as he yields it by giving it up, by giving his life up for us. In a different way, in a totally different way, but still interesting, I'm reminded of Jordan Peterman's famous line, and I'll adapt it here, but it's about how people need to be as strong as possible, physical, physically, intelligence, etc., capable of harming, but not using that power to harm. And he, and he speaks to like martial arts and how they're trained to be fully adept and capable in their own bodies. And they can harm, but they also are trained to have self-control. He points out how beauty is in the ability to cause harm and not using it, not using your size, your intelligence, your beauty, your resources to harm people, but to help others. And in doing that, often there's a cost and there's these important frequent moments of yielding your power and giving it up for others. Next, Jesus is put on trial. 
pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.